Welcome to Rise to the Top, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership that aims to amplify the voices of accomplished female leaders in the Houston region. In each episode, we feature compelling guests who share their personal journey and discuss how their organization is making an impact right here in the Houston region. I'm your host, Katie Pryor, Chief Development Officer and SVP of Member Engagement for the Greater Houston Partnership. In this episode of Rise to the Top, we are speaking with Claudia Garay, President and CEO of Baker Ripley, one of the largest and most recognized nonprofit organizations in the nation. Claudia oversees an organization with more than 1,400 employees, 70 locations, and an annual operating budget of more than $500 million. We will talk to her about the critical services the Houston-based Baker Ripley provides in our region and how the organization has grown in recent years. We'll also talk about Claudia's own career journey, her family life, and what drives her as a community leader. We're so excited to have her here with us today. Claudia, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Katie, for having me. Okay, we're going to have some fun today with this conversation. Let's do it. Let's start by allowing our audience to get to know you a little bit. We're going to delve into your career in in Baker Ripley in just a little bit. But first, tell us in your own words, what makes you you? Yeah, that's such a great question because I think everything about my life and the trajectory as I reflect on it can be traced to like a single moment. So let me tell you a little bit about that, Katie. Um, I was born to uh, two Mexican uh, mother and father, wonderful, wonderful Mexican family. And um, at the age of seven, um, the economic downturn of Mexico hit our family really hard. And, you know, up until then, my dad had been an executive at a bank and we were very well off. I had every, I mean, there was not a worry in the world until that hit, right? Much like the economy uh, downturn that we're facing right now, it hit us hard. And so my parents, like so many other immigrants, they had to make that tough decision of, you know, what do we do? And so they decided to come to America, bring their kids to the States and and find a better life. And so that switch or that journey for me, Katie, was probably the intersection or the underpinning of who I became and what I wanted to do. Because I think the story continues a little bit more in terms of when we were hit hard, um, the economy was hit. um, We just didn't know how to ask for help right? We were non-English speaking. We'd come into a new country. We just didn't know how to ask for help. And so as we started to learn little by little, going to um, agencies, food banks as as a young child, right? Um, I, I realized that the helping industry, the nonprofit sector was planned to do some amazing work, but it didn't do what it was supposed to be doing, at least not for my family growing up, right? Which was lifting us up rather than handing out food or handing out things. So at that moment, there was one specific day at the food bank. I went, I went with my parents, we went to go help. And that was the day I realized that people like my father, people like my family deserved um, the kindness and um, the, the generosity of people. And um, I swore from that day, moving forward, that that was what I would dedicate my life to is to really help people like me who were um, our family, just wanted to be a part of a community that that we weren't born to. 
So I think that 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 drives a lot of who I am, Katie, of just realizing that one day you have everything and the next day you lose it. That loss, that have and have not is the driving force for what I do now and every day. Well, you certainly have taken that and done a lot of good with that driving force and made a tremendous amount of impact and probably countless lives at this point in your career. So you run Baker Ripley, as we mentioned earlier, it's a nonprofit that helps thousands of people every single day, more than half a million annually. You know, we now know what personally drives you to do this type of work. And so maybe you can help us dig a little bit deeper into just your overall career trajectory um, and some of the important moments along the way. Yeah. So, you know, right after graduating college um, in Austin, I headed to Houston with um, a full trunk everything in my belongings in my trunk. And I headed to Houston, like so many others that live here in Houston, Katie, as you know, Houston is the place that attracts people that are looking for a job or an opportunity, right? So I was no different. So I came to Houston 32 years ago and I started my career working for Mayor Bob Lanier at that point, Um, moved on thinking I was going to stay in the government um, entities and the government work. But then I quickly fell in love with teaching, I um, attended a, a, a session where we were talking to the kids about careers, and I just fell in love with kids, and I went back to teaching. And after that, I spent 20 years moving up the ranks, right, from teacher to assistant principal to principal to superintendent. And um, one day, um, I got a call from Mayor Bill White and uh, his office, and they said, you know, I had just he had just been elected, and he's like, will you come and work uh, for me doing community work? work. And I said, absolutely. So I headed back to government work and I started working with Mayor Bill White. And I think that, um, you know, Katrina and Ike hit us during those moments, right? The hurricane Katrina and Ike hit us. And I saw firsthand when, you know, as part of the city, what Baker Ripley had been doing with disaster work and in this region. And I just fell in love with that organization. So in 2010, um, I had the opportunity to become vice president of uh, Baker Ripley. So I headed over here. And since then, I have led every major initiative that we've had Five years ago, we did an international search for CEO when our when my predecessor, um, Angela, left after 30 years of being CEO. So she, they did an uh, international search, and I was brought in as the new CEO of Baker Ripley, and that was five years ago. Well, five years has flown, Claudia. It, it has <laughs> flown a, a, a lot. Now, I will say, so the last 32 years has really been around nonprofit government and education. I've spent my life, and, you know, just like everything else is very transferable. I've spent my life really thinking that helping families, lifting families is really what I am meant to be doing. Yeah. Yeah, you have. And you've you've proven that. I mean, such a it is a story of true servant leadership for this region that really impacts so many people far beyond just the Houston region as well. Let's shift to Baker Ripley and dive deeper into what Baker Ripley does as an organization. So you help some of our most vulnerable neighbors in the region in so many different ways, um, from senior health, financial literacy, to immigration assistant, disaster relief. So tell us, what is the broad mission of Baker Ripley and how does that manifest into day-to-day operations? Yeah. So, you know, I think Big Ripley, what we do is very simple. 
I'm going to tell you. So after 116 years, we still have only one purpose and with one purpose in mind, and that is to keep Houston a place of opportunity for our most vulnerable communities. And so, um, you know, we were founded by Secretary James Baker's grandmother, Alice Graham Baker, 116 years ago, um, with the belief that no matter how you got here to Houston, whether you crossed the river, the ocean, or the railroad tracks, no matter how you got here, where you live, what you look like, who you love, that if you're here in Houston and you work hard, you have a place to belong. And so it is Baker Ripley's mission and it is our work that is staying in communities and really lifting communities so that everyone has an opportunity for self-sufficiency. Um, we saw the, the pandemic really uh, worsen our neighborhoods in terms of, of opportunity for them. So Baker Ripley has really been working around resilience work right now, how we lift our communities, the pandemic, the um, economic downturns are impacting our communities. And so Baker Ripley, um, we like to say we don't do one thing, right? It's not about a program. It's not about a service. It is really the belief that low-income communities, poor people, just want a chance, just like everybody else. And so Baker Ripley does everything it needs to be. We are that family, you know, that community member, that family member that is going to help you be who you are or who you want to be. And that's what we are for our low income communities. We do what we need to do to lift them. Yeah. And like you said earlier, you, you wanted a place where people felt like they belonged when they felt as though they belonged nowhere. You know, Houston is a city where... I don't, I mean, I don't think anybody would ever um, argue that we are probably one of the most welcoming cities, right, in 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 the country and in, in the world. But being welcoming is one part, right? The other part, which is Baker Ripley's real uh, work, is to ensure that opportunity is, is um, ac accessible to mm -hmm. people. You can work as hard as you want, but I don't know, you or your um, uh, listeners, Katie, will know that there is nothing more important to anyone but an open door, right? That the open door we give people, that's the difference between making it and not making it. We all had someone open a door for us. And so if if um, I do any analogy for people of like, what, are they, what does Baker Ripley do? What does Baker Ripley wanna accomplish? We really are just that open door. We want all of our communities um, to open a door, the Baker Ripley door, and have an opportunity for a better life. Yeah, and you used the perfect word earlier, Claudia, when you said access. You know, people yeah. need access to opportunity, and that's what that open door provides for them, and um, which is really important to, especially a, a region like Houston, who, you know, yes, is welcoming. We receive individuals from all over the world to come be a part of um, Houston, our economy, but sometimes that open door and that access is so critical to being able to stay here and continue to contribute. That's right. You know, Houston is probably one of the most entrepreneurial cities that that we have and um, that there is. And so having access to anything, right, whether it's plans or ideas or resources or connection, having access is that lever that 
is pulled for our communities. Whether you know you're high income, middle income, or low income, we all need access to something. And so, if we provide access to our vulnerable communities, our low income communities, if we get them on that ramp so that they can continue to move forward, that then we've we've accomplished what we wanted to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. I want to get your perspective on something because I believe you have a really unique insight into some of the most challenging issues that face our region. Um, So if you picked out one or two, you know, what are you most concerned about and what do you see as the best path forward for solving some of these challenges? You know, I think, um, Katie, one of our major challenges in our region right now are the number of young adults that do not have a high school diploma or GED. And they are already working. They're working hard two to three jobs and they're still not making ends meet, right? So the the number one, even pre-pandemic, the number one issue was how do we upskill our young adults that we've practically put a ceiling over them because they're not showing up anywhere, Katie. They're not in the unemployment numbers. They're not in the um, uh, community colleges. They're not in the programs, apprenticeship programs, right? Though They're not in that uh, pipeline yet. They're out there working low-skill jobs, working very, very hard for it. And so we've got to find a way to find them. And we actually know where they are. They left high school. We These are our kids. We raised these kids. And right when they got to high school, they left and did not finish. This is going to be the region's biggest challenge if we don't get this right. So we've got to find our young adults and skill them, skill them. And as you know, with Greater Houston Partnership, the work and upskilling has got to be front and center. You know, and then you've got, you know, the, the digital divide. You've got so many other pieces that add to that layer of complexity. But I think the number one issue is we've got 100,000 young adults ready to go. You don't have to teach them soft skills. You don't have to teach them anything. They're ready to go. We just got to find a way to upskill them. Yeah. And we have to find a way to get multiple organizations and groups to come together on that effort. So you know that very well. I mean, Baker Ripley, just like the partnership is all about collaboration and convening the right groups together to be able to support individuals such as the ones who are, you know, almost that lost group who can really benefit from the upskilling to have a different trajectory for their life. Katie, there, there is, um, there's enough work for all of us in this business. And uh, not only is there enough work for all of us in this business, it is our responsibility as a region to take care of our um, kids and in, in wh- wherever they're at, right? So the collaboration that happens here in Houston is also very, very much second to none. I've gone all over the country and I see my colleagues all over the country and I will say that the work here in Houston is amazing. How the convening of different resource organizations come together to do this work. We've got the ingredients, Katie, here in Houston, we've got the ingredients necessary to lift our communities. We need some time. We need some effort. We need some resources, but definitely the continuation of collaboration and convening, because that's the answer. There is no other answer than having all of us combine our resources to lift people. 
Yeah. I'm going to underscore something you said too, which is it's our responsibility as our region to take care of our kids. It is. Um, we're just going to underscore that and leave that with everyone because it is exactly right. Okay. I do want to shift just a little bit to um, the topic of the podcast, which is female leadership. And I want to touch on something that I know a lot of our listeners can really relate to, um, which is how your, your family, you know, how do you prioritize so many different important aspects of your life? You know, you have two children who are adults now, but at one point you are balancing all of this and trying to prioritize many different things at once. So, you know, how do you do that? How do you maintain all of these priorities at once as a woman, as a mother, as a strong leader in the community? How do you do it? So I'll tell you, Katie, I used to have such a beautiful answer for this. And um, about two or three years ago, I said, I got to be real with myself and I'm going to be real with you and our listeners. I can't, we don't. We don't balance. I don't balance. There are days that balance is actually not even the word I use anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, you know, many times as, as you know, you mentioned my two adult kids, 20 and 24, the amount of times I would come home and cry just because I missed something of theirs, right? I mean, you know, you don't become CEO without some kind of, of trajectory, a pipeline, you know, a plan for it. And there were many years where long hours and no time off was the was the way to go about, right? It, to to in this work. And so there were just days that I just didn't know whether I was coming or going, going to school, taking care of my kids, working. And um, when I became CEO, I started talking, you know, to a couple of, uh, to our workforce, which 86% of our workforce is female. And, you know, and as I was talking to them and they were talking about their kids and their families, it just hit me really hard where, I don't think it's even our responsibility anymore to say that we can balance lives. I, I think that that we need to stop telling our young leaders that are emerging women, female leaders, that you can balance because everything is a choice. It's going to have to be a choice. You're not going to be good at one thing or another. One thing's going to fail. But here's how one of the things that I decided early on. I said, you know, here are my non-negotiables. I will not miss this, this, and this. And so, no, I was not a PTA mom. No, I didn't do sports with my kids. But there were several things that I said, you know, I will do this and I will not miss it. And so that's what it's been like, Katie, is that leadership, uh, especially for females, we shouldn't kid ourselves. We should actually join together and lift each other and lift each other with the knowledge of saying, we know that we're not good at everything all the time. And if we could just lean on each other more, if we could lean on the other females and those that, you know, we stand on their shoulders and the ones we bring on, if we could be honest with each other, we can truly have a conversation about what it means to be a female and what it means to be a leader. Absolutely. I mean, that, that it, there's so much value and and really, frankly, power in what you just said, because once I was speaking to a, a group of young leaders just earlier this week, and, you know, somebody asked me the question, you have young children, you have this job that you're doing for the Greater Houston Partnership. How do you do it all? That was my answer. I don't do it all. And the phrase I use is exactly what you just use is there are non-negotiables in my life 
that will take priority. And the other things, you know, you almost consider those, I heard somebody refer to it once as your glass balls. Those are your glass balls that can't be dropped. The other things you have to figure out and you're not going to be able to do it all. And we really shouldn't tell ourselves that we can do it all because something will always need to take a back seat and something will always need to take the front seat and how we communicate that to others in our lives about what is taking the priority and what is taking the front seat and why it helps us be able to maintain those relationships and expectations of how things are going to get done. That's right. And Katie, I, I did make a decision early on that my life would be of service. And, you know, that adds another layer of complexity, right? I, I knew that um, I was going to spend um, my life in service of my community and of my work. So it made it just that much more difficult to come home in the evenings. There was no set hours. There was no dinner set at a certain time, right? So there was so many things that I think my kids um, missed out on. And those are just things that you are going to have to be okay with. Um, but I will tell you that today... I talk to my daughter, you know, at, at 25, and she'll talk about her her memories and her stories about coming with me to work. And when I look at her and I look at my son and who they've become, I know that I did the right choice, right? I made the right choice. And that was to show them that if you work in community, sacrifices are going to have to be had. Yeah. And, and something in the, in you so many years ago was continuing to push you forward because you know that was the hope that you would get to this point and that would be the outcome. But I'm sure there were a lot of tough days along the way. And there were a lot of memorable days along the way. There, there was, I do want to um, leave with my father and, you know, a, a tribute to him that, um, that what he did and who he became when the hardest um, adversity hit him is really what allows me to, to um, work in this type of community and this type of work. Um, you know, um, when you get to see your father, who to me, he was this eight foot grand man, right? I mean, I just, I, I thought he was the grandest of everything, have to go and ask for help. And to be treated in a way that is not respectable and not with integrity, I just knew that families could not go and have service and be treated with anything other than the largest integrity. But I wanted to share this other part is that just recently, though, I have come to realize that our work in the nonprofit government education, I want to leave something with our listeners, and that's that we are not the heroes of people's story either. I hope that we can have a dialogue about lifting people without making people think that any one of us is the hero of anybody's story. Nobody is. We all have our own story to own. So, you know, there's many times that we'll say nonprofits are, are really lifting people, are really helping. We we do. We support communities. But I want to make sure that people know that people lift themselves and people with the right access can lift themselves to heights that they can only imagine. Yeah, well said, well said. I do want to touch on, you know, there's a there's another aspect of your life that we haven't quite gotten to yet, 
And that's a different kind of service and leadership through your board commitments that you make. Um, How might you encourage young leaders to get involved with their communities throughout their careers? I I often tell our our younger leaders that they're going to have to make a decision early on and um, networking, going to every event. I mean, there's not a day in Houston that something is not happening, right? That there's not some kind of seminar, some kind of conference, some kind of luncheon that allows us to grow together and work together. I think uh, my biggest or best advice to our young leaders is shake it up. Go, 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 go meet everyone. Um, I'm telling you, the doors that you get opened are truly the the levers that are pulled for success. And so you just never know which room you're going to enter that will open the door for you. You just never know. I mean, the doors that were open for me come from the most weirdest, most bizarre kind of way. People that I met in in passing turned out to be my greatest mentors and my greatest confidants. So I would say you've got to show up. You've got to go to those networking events. You've got to go to all kinds of the conferences, luncheons, everything, and meet, meet, meet people. Yep. Excellent. Excellent advice. Okay, let's have a little bit of fun and move into our lightning round. So we want to get to know your Houston, Claudia. So these are special places, things you enjoy most about this great city. Uh, Very quick answers. So you can just fire away. Favorite restaurant? Brennan's. (laughs) All the way. Favorite place to unwind? My couch. (laughs) Such a solid answer. Place you take out of town guests? Oh, I'm still very corny. Galleria. Galleria. Okay. Uh, favorite power lunch hotspot? Hmm. La Griglia. La Griglia is still a place many people love to go. Okay. What makes Houston a great place to live? Houston, since its inception, since our birth, it has had an entrepreneurial spirit. Houston is scrappy and entrepreneurial and will never be kept down. What do you think Houston needs more of? An abundance mindset. We Mm. need to stop scarcity thinking and have an abundance mindset. Mm. I like that. Okay, so when you think about Houston's overall trajectory as a city, what word comes to mind? Unlimited. There you go. Okay, Claudia, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I know your story, your perspective will help inspire others. Your story is incredible. And we we really just got a snippet of your entire story. So thank you for spending time with us today and, you, and just sharing, truly just sharing and opening up. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much. And that's it for this episode of Rise to the Top. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so on your favorite podcasting platform or by visiting the podcast page at houston.org. You'll find links to recent news updates and learn how you can get more involved with the work of the Greater Houston Partnership to make a difference in the Houston region. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Rise to the Top.